ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 61 of the Get Around Podcast. I'm back, your host today, Brett Summers, and the band is getting back together. I'm pretty excited about it, especially since the original founder of this band just decided to join us for the hell of it. So yeah, I got a board meeting uh, in Glen Lake, some fireworks over teacher contracts, and I got to be out there for that. So uh, I figured might as well waste a little time here in the studio and hang out with my boys. So yeah, that's our, our former host, Brendan Queeley, and joined as well by James Cook, Jake Atnip, who did a fantastic job of filling in the last several weeks while... I've been out in the middle of the wilderness somewhere. Well, Jay, failing James got, to James got lost in the wilderness too. We had a obituary for him in the paper this. Oh past yeah, week. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're actually sans James Cook today. There's a brand new man sitting in front of us. There's yeah. a James Cook in the obituary. Yeah, I had to text yeah. him the other day just to make sure he was okay because Lita's like, "There's a James Cook in the obituaries," and I just well, I we always needed, I needed to check on him. Yeah. There was a really sad story out of uh, Wyoming, Michigan. A, a woman she tried to save her dog after the dog fell through the ice. Dog made it safely. Oh to shore. no, she did not. They ended up fine. The dog really bringing down the tone of the podcast right now. You're really the, good but, at this. But yes. the, the, the dog ended up wandering back home and had its leash on still. And then the uh, authorities found uh, a hole in the, the woman's body. That's very uh, uplifting. Yeah. yeah, it was uh, sweet. Why the band, the here? band's back together, all right. <laughs> back with the somber tone from. 2018. If you guys give me like five minutes to just, I, I've been, James said that I get five minutes every week to just come in here and kind of vent. Get so, Brennan's couch, the Brennan's couch section. That's right. Although I am very excited because I've basically All right, it, it's been, not, it's I, not on the budget, but we're going to shift right into Brendan's couch. And brought not, to you by Jimmy John's. Sitting on the couch with Jimmy John's. I mean, the couple of things might make me happy. I have been checking Twitter all day while at work. And right now it seems like the White Sox are a good possibility to get Bryce Harper. Also, John Morosi saying that they're the front runners for Manny Machado. But you don't want Manny Machado. I, I, I'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> this last season was hard enough on you. You don't care at this I point don't want if another, you bring I don't in want an A-hole. Losses. Would you take Chris Sale back? Yep. <laughs> I would. Maybe they get him back. I know, that's, I know that's hard for you to say. Because he's a free agent after 2020, so it's possible he might come back to the south side. Who knows? Really, anybody who's going to help me win, I'm fine with that. So yeah, that, 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 that lady, no. that lady. Uh, <laughs> Can we not go back to the dead lady? <laughs> well, it, it <laughs> just it, it, day. it kind of brought up a similar situation when I had Luna out for a walk um, one day. Thankfully, I had her on her leash and on her body harness, but she uh, she had walked out across uh, the river, which had iced over and broke right through the ice, and I lost her for a second. Fortunately, I was able to to yank her back up, but. That was pretty. Scary. Full body went under. Yeah, she went completely under. Yeah, but she. I had the, the like the body hardness on her, which is a, much better than just having the collar around the neck. I think if I had, if it was just the collar around the neck, I would have lost her. And, uh, this was in Champagne. This oh, was, okay. Uh, this was a, years ago, back when I was in grad school. Good stuff, guys. That's that's it for Brandon's co- couch. Brought to you by Jimmy Thank John's. Goodness. Um, <laughs> two locations in Traverse City. Uh, freaky fresh, freaky fast, freaky uh, Jimmy John's. I didn't even have to look at it. I think I got it right. Right? Did I get it? It was, was pretty. Close? It was pretty close. I'm pretty sure. It's pretty. You close. just uh, you missed. Actually, no. There was one that was that simple. Good job. Ah, sweet. Good job. Proud of you. 
So Harper Machado to the White Sox and uh, our thoughts and prayers out to that uh, poor lady's family. And I'm not and dead. And the dog, too. Like, yeah, James is alive. Let's dog. look at the positive. James is still alive, man. He defied yeah. the obituaries. That's, that's a that positive. dude was in, the se- in his 70s, though, I believe. There's, oh. like, there's like a bunch of James Cooks in Traverse City, actually. So when I came here, like people, th- when they saw it, started seeing the byline in the paper, they like thought I was somebody else because there's like a soccer referee, what, what? and I started covering soccer, and everybody thought I was him hmm. for the for the first bit. And when, when I go to the they bank, they started calling I, you to yell at you. When, yeah. when do you think you're gonna die? How old do you think you're gonna be when you die, James? And then we'll go to Brett. Well, according then, to that uh, story that says that alcohol, you know, moderate consumption of alcohol every day, extends your life. I'm gonna live forever. Okay, but you weren't drinking Coors like that guy was. Yeah, kudos to that guy for saying Coors made him live to be over 100. Yeah, but he started He's drinking Coors to get his family paid. when he was 86 years old. So <laughs> I saw another story was like a 109-year-old lady who said that she has three Miller High Lifes a day and a shot of whiskey. Wow, all right. So you're living to 101? Brett, when are you going to die? Well, I, Have you I, looked into the old lady's I, eye I'd yet? Like, I'd like to hit triple digits, but... Oh, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll guess it won't last that long. <laughs> if I get lucky, 30, 35 and I'm out of here. That's what I'm pulling for. I thought, we were, I thought we were off Brendan's couch. <laughs> yeah. Telling you, man. Personally, I don't think about it very we're much. We're going right my, through the ice again. I'm telling you, my, my financial situation, I'm... What, GoFundMe to help you out? Why don't you just put a picture of Guinness and Luna up on a GoFundMe and be like, the dogs need to get fed. I mean, get them fed. Uh, they do get fed. In. They get fed more often than I get exactly, fed. Exactly, but put your name in the little, like, in the fine print, like, you got to get their odor fed, too, because they can't live without you. Speaking of getting fed, let's throw this out right here, because Gavin Richmond, you're the lucky winner of two Jimmy John sandwiches after interacting with episode 60 of the Get Around podcast. Taking care of business early. Well, you know, I thought, I saw a transition there, and I took it. Yeah, get out of the death talk. <laughs> Yeah, don't choke on that sandwich. Next, next giveaway for uh, for the podcast for the get around is going to be a nice coffin. No I'll spot the, on Brendan's will. That's the nobody wants that. They're like, oh, and you get his debt. You get his debt. That that'll be nice. I'll take Guinness. I just I just want to win the lottery, man. That's all. I ju- I'm tired of not having money and keeping my apartment at fifty five degrees. Well, I don't know if everyone else is going to be as happy as I think we are that the band is back together. Well, they won't know. But we are. Well, they, I hope they'll, they never they'll know. There will be enough in there that they'll know. I don't know where the cuts are going to come in at this point, but they'll know. Oh, they'll know. <laughs> well, we've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to go uh, right into the girls' basketball season with the Pulse. Uh, we've got Kingsley's Austin DeWeese dropping by the Get Around Podcast studio uh, for an interview to talk about the upcoming season. We've also got a few items on the bulletin board, the next rendition of the Get Around Hall of Fame, and in the age-old question, the most important question of the holidays. Perhaps we're getting into this a week too early, but uh, with the band back together, we wanted to address this topic now. We're going out to the coast. We're having a few laughs. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And I think we it's going to be three against one. I do, too. Let's go. All right. Let's throw it out. We can talk about it at the end of the show, though. I'm not saying another word. All right, let's check the heartbeat of the sports world and get into the pulse. Girls basketball season, after the switcheroo that it pulled with boys basketball this year, uh, has begun. Uh, girls teams have played their first couple of games, uh, even 
perhaps three games as of this recording at this point already. And, uh, you know, we want to talk about our preseason player of the year picks, conference favorites, you know, what to, what to look for after last year, a, an overall very successful year for area teams and a bunch in between before we welcome Austin DeWeese into the studio. Uh, but let's, let's start right there, guys. I think the, the preseason player of the year question is interesting in the fact that perhaps the favorite for that award this year is who's been the runner-up each of the last two years, although we did find out that she missed uh, her volleyball season uh, because of an injury that she's recovering from, though I have seen a few box scores of hers early in the season. It seems like she's playing pretty well up to form at this point. That is Charlevoix Jr. Elise Stuck. She of over 1,000 points through her sophomore year. Is she the uh, she the hands-down favorite to be player of the year in the 2018-19 girls' basketball season? I wouldn't say it's as much of a lock as Annika D was for the girls' golf player of the year, which was... The only chance that that wasn't was Ansi beat her. That was the only chance of her not repeating. Right, right. And obviously that did not come to fruition, but... Yeah, for me, Elise Stuck is is your hands-down favorite for this award. Uh, as you said, she was runner-up the last two years. She was our Female Athlete of the Year uh, back in, what, 2000 and for the 16-17 school year, I believe. As a she, freshman, right? She was a freshman. She was our, our, our Female Athlete of the Year. And she's just too talented. I mean, she's an ultra-talented, uh, elite, um, once in a generation kind of talent here uh, in high school for northern michigan when she's on the court she's uh there are times where she's unstoppable she's she's just that good and i've seen it up close and personal several times yeah she can guard and play all five positions which, which is incredible yeah um and uh you know the, the last two years she you know essentially be, became runner-up to a pair of stellar seniors last year traverse city central's Margot Wufter, and the year before, actually, no, not two seniors. The year before, it was a junior, uh, then junior, Mackenzie Wilkinson from Kalkaska. But, you know, I, I think she's the, she's the favorite. Obviously, this injury notwithstanding, we'll have to see if she has any type of uh, rest that she needs to take at points during the year or anything like that. Definitely need to get a little more information there. But uh, as far as the tools, the basketball tools, the just the God-given physical gifts of being, what, 6'2", with the ability to handle the ball the way she does, it, I mean, it's pretty hard to compete with. Yeah, I mean, she can do pretty much everything. I don't even think it's close as far as preseason favorite. I mean, there's some other girls I think that could make some, some serious noise, but, I mean, the stats that she's put up the first two years, I mean, um, I don't know that you can bank on that from, from a whole lot of other people. You have to think a thousand points through two years is what? Not even five percent of girls on who play four years of basketball get to a thousand points. It's it's a very low number. Yeah, so that's, you, you that get, sounds like a legitimate guess. Yes, I have no idea, but, but it's no, probably but you're, you get you get one out of what every six or seven graduating classes who who eclipses a thousand points, depending on you know the the program. But I feel like it doesn't happen that often. Um, you you go through two years already having a thousand points that's domination that that's offense everywhere uh for Charlevoix and I think if Elise Stuck has that type of pace to keep up with 
there's no way that she doesn't look at the front runner. It's just about staying healthy for her. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's the that will be the biggest hurdle. That's it. Uh, whether or not it's other teams game planning for her more or, or knowing that she is the one that they have to focus on, uh, opponents have known that for two years now. They've known that since she was in eighth grade. They knew that when she was coming into high school because she was already on everybody's radar. So other teams game planning for her, uh, she has the intelligence and the ability to game plan for other teams and take advantage uh, of them. And I mean, she runs the floor, uh, you know, she, she can run the floor from the point guard position. We've seen that last year that if, uh, similar to uh, uh, Tamargo Wolfter, had had Margot had more talent around her, her stats would have been better. And I think the same thing goes for Elise. Elise has a better crop of talent around her than Margot did last year. Well, one interesting thing early already at uh, this point in the season, uh, Manton, uh, a very, very talented team, uh, they had an early season matchup against Charlevoix this year. And I think Elise scored... 26 of 39 for Charlevoix, something like that. But the the Rangers won the game. But I was just curious as to what uh, Coach John Katona thought as far as how this Charlevoix team stacked up with last year's. Because, Brennan, as you were saying, you know, last year sometimes, uh, you know, Elise had to do everything. And Coach Katona felt like this Charlevoix team is much better than last year. He said... Uh, he believes they actually have a couple of transfers on this team uh, that were not part of the Charlevoix program last year, including a left-handed ball handler, which in what I saw from Charlevoix last year, their biggest issue was they didn't have anybody besides Elise who could bring the ball up the floor without looking at it as they dribbled it on the floor. And once a team with some defensive chops starts you know, to press, to apply pressure, if you've only got one that can handle the ball, that quickly becomes a problem, regardless of how talented a player that is. So it'll be interesting to see how Charlevoix progresses with a couple of new faces and how much better they can be. You know, I think if Elise puts up identical numbers to last year, 23.3 points, 9.5 rebounds, that's probably good enough to win this award at season's end. So the thing that I'm looking for from her, and hopefully I get to see her play a couple of times sooner rather than later, but that is, has she taken her game to the point where she can put her own gas pedal to the floor and finish opponents off on a night-in, night-out basis? Because in the past, and I mean, it's no knock on her, it just comes with youth, you know, being a leader as a, a freshman and a sophomore, you know, there were times where I didn't necessarily think she went for the, the jugular, so to speak. And I think that is the next step in her game, that if she takes, she will be unstoppable. Yeah, that and if she, if, if she uh, gets a little more efficient from the three-point line, too. Uh, I mean, she, has, she certainly has that ability to hit three-pointers, but if she just starts hitting them in a little higher clip, you know, that. I mean, when I saw him last year, yeah, she was bringing the ball up court, and that kind of, I think, hampered her a lot because it... it to an extent, kind of makes it harder for her to get into the offense because that's, you know, playing point guard at this level is maybe not necessarily what she should be doing. But she also, maybe not playing center is maybe a good thing for her too, just to avoid foul trouble. And, you know, I mean, when she when she plays down low on defense, you know, she's going after block shots and going after the ball, and, and that's kind of a recipe for getting into foul trouble a lot. 
because um, it's hard for the referees to miss her. Yeah. <laughs> so of our dream team last year, uh, she was the only non-senior on the list. So, James, I think you mentioned it a little earlier. I mean, who do you see rising uh, to the top of you know this area's uh, cream of the crop? Yeah, I mean, your next kids that, that uh, are back that, are, that weren't seniors from last year's dream team, you've got Abby Brown from Manton, you mentioned already beat Charlevoix. I mean, she averaged 17 points a game last year. was a really good player for them, only as a sophomore. Um, one of the ones I think I look look forward to to uh, to being a player who really steps up is Brittany Bowman with Kingsley. I mean, last year they had so many options that she didn't have to be a scorer, but she could be when they whenever they needed her to. And she I, just scored 19 points in back-to-back games this weekend, so she's mm-hmm. clearly accepting that load. Yeah, and you've got Alex Hunter back. From Gaylord St. Mary, Abby Bretzky at Benzie Central. Um, you know, J.C. King is gives them another good score at, at Kingsley, um, but she's you know she's largely a, a perimeter shooter, um, so I don't know if that she's uh, going to be as consistent of a you know putting up games in the high teens like Bowman probably will be. You know, Megan Sharpenberg at GT Academy has the has a tendency to put up some some big gaudy numbers, you know, playing... Uh, yeah, she had several triple-doubles last year. I think she even came close think, to a quadruple I think she had a quadruple or, did, or very she, close. Okay, yeah, she either had one or she was really close. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's a lot of good players, I think, that could that could really step up into that into that role. And, and Kendall Brown from Elk Rapids, too. And she's coming back from injury. Yep. Broke her yep. leg also, last also season, coming, I think. Also coming back from injury, yep. Um, Brett, you might agree with me on this one here. Uh, Haley Helling out of Glen Lake and see what she's going to do this year. I know that when you watched them last year, you were really impressed with her. Yeah, as a freshman, I thought she had an outstanding year. Glen Lake had a number of upperclassmen where you know she wasn't forced to carry a load by any means, but she was a starter on a team that went all the way to the semifinals. And you know just everything about her game, her, her poise, her ability to handle the ball, um, I would maybe expect to see a little uptick in her scoring this year, but uh, she's certainly a very capable player. And you know, that Glen Lake team is going to be really interesting to watch because uh, the only upperclassman that they're starting, I believe, is Caitlin Schaub. She's finally a senior, the anchor in the middle for the Lakers, but everybody else is a freshman or a sophomore. Uh, so, you know, that'll be... We'll, we'll talk to uh, Austin DeWeese a little bit about that because I think maybe experience-wise, Kingsley might be the favorite in the Northwest Conference, but despite Glen Lake's youth, they are... A very good team in their own right still. And they always have players step up. It seems like Bradford always has, the head coach Jason Bradford always has his players from throughout the system, you know, coming up. And he has his daughter now, a freshman, who's starting. Right. Grace Bradford. So are there any legit competitors to this? Do we, top three, James, would you say Stuck, Bowman, who else would you throw in there? Kendall I'd put Brown. Abby Abby Brown up there. Abby Brown ahead of Kendall Brown. And, I and, think and so. I think, and yeah, and I think yeah, I, I would say those three. Yeah, Bowman, Brown, Brown. You know, Kendall Brown can put up. You know, she's another player who's kind of a mini Elise stuck in that she's she's pretty tall. She can play the point guard. She can bring the ball up court. She can do a little bit of everything. Excellent rebounder. But has had some problems with injuries over the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm hoping to see that we'll have one name kind of come out of nowhere or, or someone that we didn't expect to really to to do much, maybe not, but uh, kind of step up and do more than we thought they were going to do. I, I'm excited about this 
girls' basketball season, much like I am excited about the boys' basketball season, because there is so much of a void to fill after we saw the bubble, bubble burst last, uh, you know, from last year. So many good girls' basketball teams, so many good boys' basketball teams. There's a lot of room for people to step up and, and fill these vacancies and make a name for themselves in northern Michigan on the basketball court. All right, well, I wanted to run through the conference favorites real quickly. We'll kind of detail the layout of each conference, how it finished up last year, take a look a little bit <coughs> at where we think things might lie at the top of the conference. We're not going to try to slot each of these teams all the way down the list, but let's start with the Northwest Conference. It sent two teams to the state semifinals last year in Kingsley and Glen Lake. Uh, Kingsley went 26-1, and Glen Lake 23-3. and uh, Kingsley ran the table, 16-0 and in conference. The Glen Lake's only two losses in conference were to Kingsley. Uh, Benzie Central had a nice year, 17-5. and And then Frankfurt, Sutton's Bay, Onekama, Leland, Buckley, and Music followed uh, up. But, I mean, are we – I mentioned it a little bit before. Is Kingsley, just because they're a little bit older uh, – you know, they have more players that are a little more experienced from last year's team. Are, are they the favorite to repeat atop that conference, or are we looking at the youth of this Glen Lake team as, you know, real challengers to what Kingsley established last year? I, I think Kingsley's the, the definitely the favorite. Maybe it's a little closer between one and two than it was this year just because Kingsley lost a lot. Uh, obviously, Glen Lake did too. But, I mean, Kingsley's got J.C. King, they've got – Bowman back. They've got Austin Deweese, who's going to step right in at center and give them probably at least as much production as they got from Crosby last year. So give them a legit center and defensive presence there. You know, they've got, you know, they can place one buys with another one. Uh, you know, and they've got, you know, some some couple of players that played a little bit off the bench last year, like Molly Kamenata, some other players. So I think they'll be a, a pretty solid team. And, you know, Glen Lake's got Shaw back. You know, that's a nice start. Helling, nice start there with those two. And then, you know, Jason Bradford will have other players ready to fill in those other roles. Lake Michigan Conference, always an interesting race. Kalkaska's almost always near the top. They, of course, with a new head coach, uh, Dave Dalton, stepping away from the program. And Cassie Burkham uh, stepping in, uh, a former assistant and under Dalton, uh, taking the reins. Kalkaska finished third in the conference last year. You know, really, that seventeen and six was a big tribute to Mackenzie Wilkinson because they only had seven players on the team. Right, right, and uh, you know she definitely uh, carried the load for the for the Blazers last year. Uh, Charlevoix nineteen and five, twelve and two in the conference. Uh, you know, I think they split with St. Francis, uh, but then I believe they also lost a game. Uh, to, was it to Kalkaska? I, I was there remember. for the, I was there for that crazy uh, comeback for St. Francis against. And you, uh, Charlevoix. The, the comeback, the, just the comeback portion. I was there, just for that, yes. All the Charlevoix people must have been very upset with me because when I walked in, that's when St. Francis made that comeback. I think they were down 11 with a minute 13 left, and they came back and, and won it. And I got some heat on Twitter for just, you know, waltzing in and being like, oh, oh yeah, I was supposed, oh. to, be, supposed to be here. I did, yeah, the, the Michigan Ope. Everybody everybody knows the <laughs> Michigan and or, or Midwestern Ope. Oh, oh, sorry. Michigan open and that that weird white person smile that everybody does. <laughs> you can't see it. You can't see it on. But oh, but you can see it. But you can see it. You know it. People know what I'm talking about. 
Walk by somebody. You'll see what happens. And St. Francis won the conference uh, under a first-year head coach last year. Tyler Shell stepping in for Keith Haskey and leading the Gladiators uh, to a Lake Michigan conference title. They went 13-1. and They were 17-4 and overall. And then it was Elk Rapids, East Jordan, Harbor Springs, Boyne City, Grayling, filling out the rest of the conference. Is this... I mean, I guess maybe it's to be determined because we don't know about these new players Charlevoix has, but you know, with Elise Stuck becoming not only a force within the conference, but finally an upperclassman and more experiences, I mean, do we see this as Charlevoix's year to finally be atop the conference, which I think would be the first in quite a while because it's been either St. Francis or Kalkaska for years. Yeah, for like a, at least a decade, I think, it, the, the league has been won by St. Francis or Kalkaska every year. Um, yeah, and I think this is Charlevoix's opportunity. I mean, they've they've got... They'll obviously have another next year if it's not, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got the best player in the conference. They start with that, which is pretty good. And then... They might have the best player in the state, at least one of them. Certainly Stuck one has of to them. be yeah. up there. Yeah, she's got to be like a state dream team type level player, I would think. You know, I saw St. Francis play the other day, and they, you know, they they have a pretty young team for St. Francis standards. Um, but I think by the end of the season, they'll be pretty good. They've got a, a couple of nice young guards uh, that, that play pretty well. The the press for them is, a, you know, an equalizer. And even with those young those young players, they were running the press pretty well. And the Cam Schaub is one of the better, you know, I mean, she's a six legit six footer, and in the middle, so she gives them a legit player there too. You know, and then we'll see what how Cal Calcasca does with the, you know, losing Wilkinson and getting a new coach. You know, they could be a, a, a little bit of a dark horse. And Elk Rapids is a pretty solid team there too, with with Kendall Brown and some other nice pieces there. We'll jump up to the Big North. Uh, Petoskey won that last year, just edging Traverse City Central uh, with an eight and two conference record. Uh, it was a a bit of an interesting season uh, for the Big North, being. Uh, only one of the six teams actually finished with a winning record, and that was third place, Alpina. And obviously you have the, the departure of Woofter from Central, uh, which is going to be very tough to overcome, You know, even though that was a 9-13 and and 7-3 conference record last year. So they're going to need improvement. Um, Traverse City West, actually, uh, I, would, I would expect quite a bit of improvement from the Titans because their core that has been playing seemingly for four years is finally, uh, they're finally seniors and perhaps getting a bit better. Uh, Becca Borer, Grace Miner, um, Sierra Perquette. Sierra Perquette. Uh, you know, they, they did open the season with a victory, but then played a couple of, I think what I think are, are pretty decent teams uh, that they dropped over the weekend. Grand Haven, and yeah, Grand Haven. Yeah, they got, they got rolled by Grand Haven. Yeah, but Grand Haven is a pretty good. Team. Like, yeah, I know, but, yeah. And then I think Hudsonville maybe they yeah. they lost a, they, they lost a three point game to Hudsonville. So, uh, but nonetheless, I expect West to be much better than than the three and seventeen record that they had last year. And I think they have some uh, stability with with Doug Bauman as the head coach there. Agreed. And, uh, yeah, this West team's been through a lot with the passing of Mike Wildey and yes. Uh, other coaching changes outside of that over the last couple of years too. Yeah, and I think he he has provided a little bit uh, a little bit of stability and also uh, preaches this um, effort and responsibility mantra that that he has for the last the last two years. And I think that's uh, that really has only benefited the girls because they seem to be having more fun out on the court. And I noticed that even last year, and I think it'll bleed over into this season as well. 
perhaps the uh, who wins that conference? Is that a bit of a guessing game early? Perhaps more so than. Uh, I mean, it, it kind of feels like a it could be anybody type of conference. Maybe I, I, Cadillacs on the rise a bit. I think so. I, I'm if I was gonna have to bet, I would say I would take Petoskey. I mean, because I think Meg Culp is potentially the best player in the league, but you've also got uh, Becca Ross at Gaylord who would be in that discussion as well. Um, you know, I mean, Petoskey won it last year, and then they have they have Culp coming back, so that, that's a, a pretty good thing to start with. We've got the Ski Valley Conference. Gaylord St. Mary won that last year. They ran the table 16-0, Bel Air 14-2, so very similar to the Northwest Conference. Do we see Central Lake, Onaway, Inland Lakes, Joburg, Mancelona, Forest Area, Pels? I mean, any of those teams going to get in the way of another Bel Air, Gaylord St. Mary uh, finish atop the conference, regardless of which way that goes? I mean, Bel Air is the, was the next best team last year, and they lost their by far their best player in Lexi Nepoth. And... and Gaylord St. Mary has its best player back in, in Alex Hunter. So I would think that Gaylord St. Mary is the team that everybody's gunning for right from the get-go in this league. Our last few conferences in the West Michigan D-League, you had Bear Lake pulling that one out uh, in, a, I believe, a bit of a tiebreaker over Pentwater. Both those teams were 12-2. and two. Uh, Manton won the Highland Conference. I certainly expect the Rangers to win that conference again as well. They went 18-4 and four with five starting sophomores, uh, five juniors this year. That's a team that I want to see play a few times this year, hopefully, because I think that very well could be the best bet as far as a local team reaching Calvin College, the girls' state semifinals. And probably the best bet as far as somebody to win, that con- to win their conference. I mean, you know, they've got... We've already mentioned Brown. They've got Jaden Wilder. Those are two really good players to to start with there, and you know, and they kind of ran away with the league last year. Real quick, I just wanted to throw back to the Northwest because I didn't uh, jump in on that one, but I'm interested to see what Frankfurt is going to do. Uh, Resnich seems like his teams, no matter what, um, come to play. And he had a very youthful squad last year, and, and they made They've been young ways. for a couple of years. And I'm interested to see what they do. And then uh, the Buckley girls as well. They have been off the radar for quite a while, but Shelby Cade is uh, you know, is part of that team and has been for the last uh, couple of years. And uh, her stepping up, and uh, I'm interested to see what the, what the Bears do as well. I think the Northwest is going to be an interesting conference. Mm-hmm. And those of you may have noticed that one league we didn't talk about is the Cherryland Conference because it is no more. Poof. Gone. With uh, with Northport going into the co-op with Sutton's Bay, they just don't have enough teams anymore. So uh, Traverse City Christian, GT Academy, Lake Leelanau, they had to uh, they're gonna have to play independent this year. Like Notre Dame. Yeah. Hey, that yeah, got them to the just semifinal. Just like Notre Dame. That got them to the semifinal. You never know. Strength of schedule, right? Just like Notre Dame. Do we do RPI for uh, girls basketball? Girls we could basketball. do our own. I, I Get a think, Ken Palm in here. I don't think any of us are that good at math. No, right, you like your spreadsheets. I've seen you open up Microsoft Excel and go to work. It's true, but I still don't think I'm that good at math, or at least not anymore. I well, maybe I maybe was at Excel one point. Or, or you don't really have the time. That too. <laughs> yeah, let's just start a whole other. Let's let's start. Uh, you know, like what they have stats. What should what's ESPN have? What's their stats? Stats and info. Stats and info. We can do whole division record eagle. Stats and I'm telling you, we info. just we info. just need to get oh, <laughs> we just need to get an intern to sit around and do a whole bunch of yeah. We just need somebody to come and work for free to do Can all I come of this back stuff to sports. For us. 
Please do. Would you like to intern for us, Brendan? You think they'll let us have a four-man department? No, he just does all the work for sports for free. He can be our intern. You want him to make less money than he was complaining about making No, he'd make the same amount of money just doing more work. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, as I mentioned before, we welcomed Kingsley's Austin DeWeese into the Get Around Podcast studios. Let's listen to that now. I'd like to welcome in Kingsley's Austin DeWeese into the Get Around Podcast studio in downtown Traverse City. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, so we were well, we were just chatting a little bit before we started recording, and you said there's been uh, a bit of a transition from the, the volleyball season. Obviously, the Stags, you guys made a deep run to the state quarterfinals, and then although basketball did get shifted a week later, so maybe that was helpful, but you said the transition's been... A little different maybe than years past, or, or what's it been like so far? It's been a little harder for me because this year I came off an injury with my knee. But I'm just really trying to get back in the groove with the new team. And a lot of the p- players that are on the basketball team were on the volleyball team as well. So we kind of know how each other's play, but it's just a little bit different with basketball. And, you know, volleyball, you mentioned the injury that you had. You weren't, you were far from the only one who kind of dealt with that. How how did that, you know, before we jump all the way to basketball, how did how how did the volleyball season work out for you with, you know, you, Maddie Byes, Jessica Leffler, everybody kind of dealing with certain things. How were you able to fight through all that adversity and get to the point that you guys were able to at the by the season's end? It was just a lot with our flexibility, all the different rotations that we had to go through. We went through, I think it was about nine different rotations. So we never really had one set rotation. Do you recall how many you guys usually use, or if everybody had been healthy, how many? I mean, would it, ideally, would it be just one? or? It'd be at least one or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so about nine times as many. I know. Uh, I, know I think Coach Hall said it was 11. It was something like when that. When I talked to him. Was you even brought in JV players up and then made own, your own rotations with different JV players and such like that, so I'm sure it was different, but, you know... Uh, Going all the way into the postseason, you guys did have the full complement kind of get back together. You beat Cadillac um, for that last one. I know that was pretty big for the Stags. I mean, what did it mean for you? And now you still have a whole other year to kind of come back and do this all again. What, what was it like beating Cadillac and getting into the quarterfinal with the Stags? It meant a lot to us as players because the people who were there last year, we did not beat them. It was a really heartbreaking moment because we got knocked out the first round, and this year we already we made it all the way to regionals. What was the, I mean, how much, how much did you guys talk about Cadillac? And I feel like we talked about Kingsley and Cadillac a lot on this show, but I mean, that had been such a rivalry that Cadillac seemed to almost always get the better of the last several years. How much did you guys talk about that within the locker room? We talked about it quite a bit. After each practice, we'd say, okay, let's focus on the next game, but really it was all going toward Cadillac at the end. You had uh, a dream team season, as far as we were concerned, named to our, our all-region volleyball dream team, which was uh, released this past weekend. What allowed you to play to that level? Uh, obviously, this wasn't your first year on varsity. You've been working toward it, but w- what allowed you to get there personally? Just setting my goals higher this year. Last year, I just I wanted to improve as a player and as a person, but this year it was a lot focused on volleyball and really pushing me and my teammates. 
Now we are transitioning into basketball season, and we know the run that Kingsley, you know, had last year, the season that you guys had last year, and had lost quite a bit off of that team. Starting, you're moving up into that center role. So I mean, how can you compare the way that the volleyball team was and what you guys are? You said a lot of the girls are, you know, on the team. How how are you guys kind of dragging that energy into your basketball season? Basically, like knowing how we move and play and talk as a team, we talked really well our first few games. Unfortunately, the one game against Goodrich, it was very close the whole entire time. We just, we started nagging at each other, but we looked past that and fought till the end. Okay. Is that just because you guys have been spending so much time around each other for so many months that, you know, yeah. it kind of wore through, or how do, how, do you, how do you deal with that? We try and pick at what we need to improve on, not only as a person, but as a team and just look at what changes we should make for the next play. With the, with the volleyball team, kind of the core of the volleyball team and the core of the basketball team being so similar, I mean, the, the, basically Marie is about the only player on the that's one of your regulars in the basketball team, right. I think, that doesn't play on the volleyball team. How, how does, does that make the transition easier for you guys, or, or how does that go? I think it makes it easier for us because it's just one person, and it's easy to let Marie in. She's... She's a really nice person and really easy to let in. And she seemed to be there for a lot of your volleyball matches, too. Yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the Stags are 3-0 already on the season. Austin, you've got uh, two double-doubles and went down uh, downstate to the Icebreaker Tournament at uh, Ypsilanti. You guys beat Midland uh, at that one. And you, you've done all this uh, after losing Kelsey Byes, Becca Crosby, Jalen Brumfield last year. How, how much uh, or where does it rank in terms of what you guys hope to accomplish this year, uh, you know, being able, people being able to step in and fill those roles of key players from last year? Um, I think with the height that me and Jane have, it was a pretty easy replacement for the height that they had last year. Brittany is really stepping up and taking that fast pace that Kelsey had. But I guess we... We're not, I don't want to say we're, miss, we're not missing a beat, because we are, but we're really looking past the fact that we're losing a couple key players, and we're just trying to fill those roles as we go. I mean, you guys are only three games in, so nobody would expect you to be playing at the level that Kingsley was playing at last year when it uh, reached Calvin College, but... I mean, with, with the people, with the influx that has come in from, uh, you know, the lower grades and, and those of you that have more experience, do you feel like this team can be to that level by the end of the year? I think we could. We, I think that we could go just as far as last year if we pull together. One thing uh, with volleyball players that, that play basketball, especially post players, um, is the, the play at the net really tends to help them avoid foul trouble that a lot of other players don't get because you have to go up, avoid contact with the net, and that seems to help post players who are trying to block shots really avoid getting into foul and getting the body in there and everything like that. How much has that helped you in the basketball world? It's really helped me a lot with going straight up both hands, not drawing a lot of contact with them. But I do, there are times where I do get called for fouls because I have only one hand up and the other is kind of pushing on a little bit. Because I remember, like Miley Church, I think last year, she right. was really good, a really good defender, really good shot blocker, and like just didn't get in foul trouble because yeah. she had the volleyball kind of mentality and blocking shots. And that's what they teach you anymore. It's just all you gotta do is make sure you have both hands up. Just don't have any hands on the body. You go yeah. up and you're good. So, mm -hmm. what, despite all the changes that you guys have had as a team, 
do you feel like you're the the favorites to to repeat atop the Northwest Conference? I think so. I think we could. Who who would be the biggest threat? Definitely Glen Lake and Benzie. Those are our two biggest games. Okay, so the the other two teams that were right behind you in the standings last year, uh, we talked a little bit about Glen Lake earlier in this show and just about the youth that they have. How does a team as experienced as yourselves how do you make sure you don't overlook a Glen Lake where you know they're starting four underclassmen? Uh, we really need to start off with a ton of energy. Like in our game against Midland, we kind of came out slow, and if we do that against Glen Lake or Benzie, we'll def- we probably won't do very well. But if we come out with the energy that we had in the second half and not afraid to draw the foul, then I think we should be fine. Uh, the last year, um, during your guys' run, when you guys, the basketball team was doing so well, I used to have a lot of people and other coaches and other stuff around the area would ask me, you know, how well, how good is Kingsley? And what I would tell them is I would be like, well, they have this six foot two girl that's on their JV team, <laughs> and she'd probably be starting for you guys. <laughs> um, how how beneficial was it for you to play a lot on JV rather than? Um, you know, with Becca Crosby there, kind of the incumbent center, you know, playing just kind of backup minutes on the varsity. How much of an enhancement was that for you? JV gave me a lot of confidence because I played a lot my sophomore year, and I just continued to build my confidence. And then at the end of the year, being pulled up for the postseason, that just made me even more confident in myself. Now, becoming a new part of that varsity team, uh, with some of the girls who were on there last year, teammates of yours, like, you know, Brittany Bowman, um, very good scorer. I mean, how have you meshed moving into that, you know, upperclassman atmosphere now? And, you know, even though, like you said, you kind of had all the girls with you on there, but now you're kind of part of that varsity basketball club. How have you kind of meshed into that? Um, well, I've played with them before. We've, uh, my class have been together, we've been playing together since we were 10. And we've always just been around the this year's seniors we've just always been around them and kind of watched them and knew how they play they have gotten a lot better since then but it was just kind of watching them and seeing how they move and how I can move and move on the court with them okay. do you think that the strengths of this year's team are going to be similar to last year's team which were obviously you know, defense and three-point shooting or or is this a, a completely different team when you're talking about that in particular I think this is a completely different team. We do have outside shooters, but we also have a really strong inside game underneath. And you're a part of that, obviously. What, I mean, if you were going to break down your own game, what are what do you feel your strengths are around the basket? Definitely the lobs, where they like throw it really high for me and going to get it. There were a couple that we had in our first game um, that JC would have like this perfect high. Pu- uh, high pass for me, and I just jump up and grab it and go up with it. So how, uh, I, nor, I mean, mo- most girls aren't over six foot tall in high school, especially being an underclassman as you were and coming up. I mean, how have you used your size to your advantage in both volleyball and in basketball? You know, when you can just go up and get a ball over just about anybody, it kind of makes that much of a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, a lot of people underestimate tall young girls because they think they haven't grown into their body yet, they're really lanky and don't know what to do with their limbs yet, but um, I feel like I've really started to control that part of me and be able to make plays when it counts. I don't want to give 
too much away, but I mean, do you have a do you have a patented post move? You know, a hook shot or a an up and under or or what what would you go with if you've got to use one one move to win a game? An up and under. Okay. Yeah. All the time. How long have you had that move in your arsenal? Uh, not very long. I've just slowly started to perfect it as it goes on. So how, how, how did you start to develop it then? Was it just a coach that said, hey, I've got something you should try? And then what was it about that move in particular that you you know decided, hey, I kind of like this, this works? It was my varsity coach. It was my freshman year. I first tried it. He said, I want you to try this. I think it'll do really well. So I just kind of continued to do it, and it's just continued to get better. Now, I know a lot of basketball players – they're kind of torn. A lot of people like playing really stellar defense on the block. A lot of people want to dominate on the offensive post. Which way would you uh, say that your game leans, or would you say you pull more from uh, when you're on the court? I like it more on defense because you block shots and that kind of stuff. Where um, on offense, it's a lot of game-changing moves, but I like the defense best. Okay. All right, we're going to go to something we usually do here in the interview portion of the Get Around Podcast, but we are undergoing a little bit of a a rebranding on this portion. Typically, this is the wheelhouse produced by Jake Atnip, uh, but it's from here on forward, it's going to be called the Freaky Fast Five. So it's just five uh, rapid-fire questions for Austin here that Jake came up with. I don't know what they are. Well, I know what one is, but I don't know what the other four are. James doesn't know what the other four are. So uh, we're like, Don't forget to mention the Freaky Fast Five, sponsored by Jimmy John's. That is why we are going under the rebranding. We got our sponsorship renewed for the basketball season. We're trying to make sure that, you know, we do our, do our part for our sponsors. So this is now the Freaky Fast Five. So you're the first, first member or first guest to go undergo the change. So I hope it's nothing too crazy. We'll start off with an easy one. What is your favorite Christmas song? Uh, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Okay. If you're going on vacation for Christmas, would you rather do, like, a home alone trip to New York, or are you going somewhere on vacation? Where would you go? Um, well, last year we went to Jamaica okay. for Christmas, nice. so definitely warm. Do you have a childhood nickname, or what's your nickname on the volleyball or basketball teams? Well, I've got one from Sheboygan gave me one. Um, I'm called The Wall up there. Okay. That's not so bad. And that's from the opponents. <laughs> that's yeah, from that's, the opponents. That's pretty respectful, and, right? uh, yeah, and... Yeah, I like that. Maybe they put a little statue up in front of their gym for you. It's the <laughs> you can't get past the wall. Now, uh, that was three, right? Yes. Okay, so yeah, one more. Favorite pregame tunes? If you got the aux in the locker room beforehand, what are you playing for your team? What are you getting everybody hyped up with? I never have the aux. It's just a bunch of random hype songs. Wait, really... the one chance you get to, you get to steal that aux one day, what you putting on? Oh, God, I don't know. There's just so many songs. We just have one big playlist with a bunch of different ones. Okay. Yeah, we usually all get hyped together in the locker room, but on the buses we usually have our own. So what so. what are you what are you listening to when you're jamming out by yourself then on the bus? A lot of I guess like upbeat rap songs. All right. Okay, now this is the one that we're all waiting for. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I've not seen Die Hard. Oh, see, does it sound like a Christmas movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take her on my side, okay? Um, but I guess, I guess we'll grab another one. What's your favorite school lunch? Hot school lunch or just whatever you get at school? I don't have hot lunch, but I heard the uh, mashed potato chicken bowl is really good. Okay. Ooh, so mashed potato chicken bowl. Okay. They should serve us those here. That sounds good. 
And I was thinking about what to get to for dinner tonight. That might be the move. Not really. I hate tail. I hate all my food touching. I can't do it. It's <laughs> all right. Well, to tie to tie in with the end of the show, uh, before we let Austin go, I did want to mention uh, that the question of whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie, uh, we want to get a little bit of reaction from our Audible viewers. So please, in the comments on Facebook or in the thread on Twitter, please post your favorite GIF or GIF, whichever you prefer, uh, your favorite. Jif from Die Hard, or if you don't believe Die Hard is a Christmas movie, or, if, or, or if you've never seen it, uh, please post one from your favorite Christmas movie, and you can win yourself uh, two free sandwiches from Jimmy John's. As Jake likes to say, we can get you fed. So, Austin, thank you so much for joining us in studio today. It was a pleasure having you here, and uh, good luck with the rest of the season. Thank you so much. Big thank you to Kingsley's Austin DeWeese for dropping by the Record Eagle Podcast Studios in downtown Traverse City. We always appreciate it when our local athletes stop by, take the time to chat with us for a while. What was that interview brought to us by? That interview sponsored by Jimmy John's, two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. All right, time for a quick run through on the bulletin board this week. We released our first two all-region teams of the 2018 academic slash athletic calendar with girls golf and volleyball and Annika D Traverse City West after winning her third straight Miss Golf title and her third straight individual state championship is once again our player of the year she takes home that honor and a volleyball uh, first time player of the year for us uh, although a dream teamer at least three if not four times three times three times Uh, Leland's Allie Martin, uh, our player of the year in what was a, a very competitive race for that award. We also had, uh, in hockey, Traverse City Central, they did not start the season well, uh, 0-5. But yeah, they, we, talked, we talked about it quite a bit and got a little bit of flack for talking about it, but this is exactly what we were talking about. Is it just takes some time for a young Traverse City team to find their heels, find their skates, I guess you'd say. And perhaps in the last two games, they've done just that. Uh, Trevor City Central with one goal wins over Cadillac 7-6 and Division One number 6 ranked Northville. Uh, the Trojans won that game 3-2 to two on goals by Drew Swanson, Ethan Vanderost, and Nick Summerfield. Uh, Jackson Wade earned his first career varsity win with 16 saves. Doesn't it seem like every year that a Trevor City team upsets Northville? Northville is always Northville highly is, touted yeah. and ranked, but it's either West or the Reps or Central that, that takes them down. It seems, I don't know, it seems to me like that has happened every year since I've been up here. So that would just be three times in the last three years. Well, I guess still. it was the Trojans' turn then. But turned it around, nonetheless. I know Coach Chris Givens was really excited about that win. You know, especially... He should be. Because they went down there uh, to play. So when they, coming back after the way they started off with... He said that they played, you know, much better hockey throughout, and they, they were, there was much better flow to their game against Northville than what they had in the previous games. Hey, you guys feel free to jump in on this next item if I've left off a few names. I know we've covered it a bit, or you guys covered it a bit in the last couple episodes, but as far as recent commitments, uh, but Glenn Lake, tight end, Drew Peterson, committed to Grand Valley State over the weekend. He will, of course, join his brother, quarterback Cade Peterson, who went there after 
the 2017 season, and Drew, uh, Drew headed down to Saginaw Valley and Grand Valley and uh, went with remaining a Laker, uh, so congrats to him. Did you guys have any other recent commitments to shout out real quick? Danny Passano. Danny Dale Cowledge yeah, to play college. baseball. Yep. Uh, let's see what we had. Tommy, we had a story on Tommy Gallagher with uh, St. Francis um, uh, right. baseball as well. Was it Calvin. 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 Calvin College. All right, congrats to those area athletes who have committed to continuing their athletic careers at the next level. And then the last thing on the bulletin board – Trevor City Baseball has announced its six finalists in the team naming contest that it opened up. Uh, of course, the Northwoods League College Woodbat team that's going to replace the Trevor City Beach Bums at soon-to-be-renamed Warfel Park. Those finalist names, the Black Pearls, which apparently is a nod to a cherry that is not grown in Michigan, so... It was just like it's, got, it's gotten a little like bit a of new gotten a little bit of flack. Sasquatch. Well, hold on. Let me let me do a disclaimer. I, we I, we've got a lot of flack about all these names, but we did not choose these names. The organization. Well, nobody gave us flack, did oh, they? Oh no, no. But I'm just oh, saying. Oh right, I'm, right. I'm just saying uh, from the story with people commenting saying they did not like these names. I'm just letting everybody know we did not choose the names. The, the organization chose from the contest and then gave them to us to show you guys. Correct. As a final, so. Yeah, but yeah, that cherry is like a synthetic cherry from what was it, Cornell? Cornell units, yeah, it's something yeah. that was just developed this year. Yeah, they just yeah. like made like a new just cherry, a new, and then they go new variety. Oh, and it's the ship from the Pirates of the Caribbean. How cool! I don't see a relation, but yeah. it's not a cherry that's even yeah grown around here. Yeah. At least not yet. Sasquatch. So it would be an individual because you wouldn't be the Sasquatches. The Sasquatch. Hopefully not that either. Sasquatchin. The Tree Shakers, an ode to the way cherries are harvested. That one's not terrible, in my opinion. I don't know that it's... Uh, I think it's terrible. The best. <laughs> James thinks it's terrible. Damn it. <laughs> tree Shakers just doesn't yeah. roll off the tongue as a... Yeah. Makes you think of that... Uh, Bed Shakers. I don't no, know. no, no, no. It, it, it just made me uh, think of that The Steve Miller band. Why? Shaking your tree. You've got the Dogmen, which that's totally off my radar. I'm, I'm voting for that. that. I voted I'm for not that a one. native Michigander, so that was completely over that my was, head. That was my number one. I've, I've got it pulled up here. It says the Dogman, the Michigan Dogman. In Michigan folklore, the Michigan Dogman was allegedly witnessed in 1887 in Wexford County, Michigan. The creature is described as a seven-foot-tall, blue-eyed or amber-eyed bipedal, which means two feet, canine-like animal with the torso of a man and a fearsome howl that sounds like a human scream. According to legends, the Michigan Dogman appears in a ten-year cycle that falls on years ending in seven. So we've got to wait until 2027 for the Dogman to come back. Sightings have been Plenty of time for this team to establish in itself. several locations throughout Michigan, primarily in the northwestern quadrant of the Lower Peninsula, which is where Traverse City happens to be located. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, so I mean, that, that, was, was, that was my vote. Also, it's got a dog in it. Also, uh, they will be one of the few teams that uh, their mascot doesn't end with an S. So, true. And then that, that like, kind of folklore story really got some traction. I think it was in the 1977 when a local DJ made a song about 87. it. 87. 
Yeah. Yeah. I believe it Steve, was Steve Cook. S- Steve Cook. No James, relation. James's uh, older brother that used to just beat him up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been a heck of a DJ. Wrote a song too. about it, and then that was made into a movie in like 2011. I bet it was terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of the name of the guy. The guy who was the star of it. Was that like the biggest movie at the Trevor City Film Festival that year? I don't know that they did at the film festival. They did release well, they it did at the state. Market, they yeah. showed it at the state theater. Okay. I mean, the Dogman is kind of the most localized, or maybe most appropriately local suggestion in here. I mean, the Black Pearls is. Yeah, it's cherries, but it's not ones that are grown around here. But, I mean, the next two are kind of local. The Sasquatch is just too similar to the Dogman. Yeah. I mean, as far as the, the folklore. Yeah, you can basically have the Chupacabra at that point. Yeah, the last two, we've got the Pit Spitters. Hopefully they uh, go over to Japan and play the Yakult Swallows. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> the Pit Spitters, of course. Uh, another ode to the Pit Spitting competitions at the National Cherry Festival. And then the Dune Bears, I, if it was going to stick with the Bears, I think I would have preferred the Sleeping Bears to the Dune Bears. Uh, but in any case, I don't think you could replace the former team with another bear. I think probably just wouldn't go over well. I think that one's kind of... Yeah, and I think the Werfels kept the bear costumes, so I don't think they went along with the, uh, with the stadium. Sunburn. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, I, I believe... Now, the voting is closed. You, you can't... Uh, or, or is it another round of voting on I think this? It went to, yeah, there's another round of voting that goes, I think, goes to the 12th. Hopefully, Great, so what, by the time you listen to this, you might have one day to vote. So if you listen to us... Or no days. At the time it drops, go ahead, vote. If not, you're going to get stuck with one of those six. Love them or hate them. That's the way it I'm, is. I'm pulling for the dogman. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about it then. That's great. Who cares? So I was, I was, I was, I wanted cherry bombs. I thought that worked out for a baseball team. Hitting bombs, cherries. Well, uh, <laughs> seven like and four is uh, Harrison Beebe had brought up the uh, Grand Traverse Slammers. That's what he wanted. Or the Traverse Grand Slammers. I liked your idea of the microbrewers. I also, yeah. That or was... the spirits would have been good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could go with either one of those. Those would be cool. I think those two are better than the six on this list, but. Uh, who are we to say? We don't make the list. They're not our team. There's still the question of whether or not it's going to be Traverse City, Grand Traverse, or Northern Michigan. That could mm. be the uh, the precursor, obviously, to the team name. So it could yeah, be that the, could the, change the things a little bit as well, too. The... I feel like you'd have to go the other way. Like, depending on which one they choose is the, the one, like, the, the prefix that they would put on it. Like, whatever rolls off the best. You know? I, I, I don't know. What? I'm very excited. This This matters to me. If there's one thing in my life that keeps me from... Not waking up in the morning. It's finding out what the name of this Traverse City <laughs> baseball team is going to be. All right, it's that time again for the latest rendition of the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. I still haven't gone back, but I'm going to go back and listen to all of these episodes to find out and make sure that I was the first you one were not. to say that. It was me. But, I'm uh, taking tomorrow off just to do that. Yes, just just to be clear from uh, from one of the episodes in the last couple of weeks, it is the most exclusive club, not the most exclusive athletic club. Most exclusive club, regardless of athletic or not. Irregardless. Touche. But we're going to induct our next member of the winter sports season into the Get Around Hall of Fame. James, why don't you go first with your candidate? 
Okay. Well, I already know who you guys are putting up, so uh, I'm going to put up uh, Traverse City St. Francis center Cam Schaub. Uh, she had some foul trouble in the first half against McBain, didn't have any points or anything because she sat most of the game in, the, in that win over McBain. Uh, but Sounds then, like yeah, a great <laughs> candidate. But then came back in the second half, 12 points, I think a double-double, blocked a couple shots, and led St. Francis's uh, win over a pretty good McBain team. Sounds like a better candidate. Yeah. Tale of two halves, Brendan. Let the man finish. Jake? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Athlete of the Week and not Athlete. Uh, athlete. Athlete of the half. Or ath- athlete of the half. <laughs> or, or athlete. It doesn't really matter at this point. I'm going to take Gaylord's Blake Charbonneau. He led the Blue Devils to an overtime win over Traverse City West last week with a whopping 39 points uh, on five three-pointers. He shot 12 from 15 from the line, but uh, helped him out in overtime, scoring multiple points in overtime as well. So I'm going to put up Blake with... Probably the best. I think that's the highest scoring performance that we've seen so far this year, uh, boys or girls. So, all right, we're gonna get a little more ice time here with my candidate, and that is Trevor City Central's Ethan Vanderrost, who had a goal and an assist in the win versus number six Northville, and then three assists in the win against Cadillac. So five points in two games. That's a pretty solid week, especially considering the competition. So, Ethan is my nomination for this week's induction. Brendan, are you gonna vote? I will vote yes. All right. Brendan can vote last if there's ties. Jake, who are you voting for? I'm going to stick with uh, Blake Charbonneau. 39 points is pretty impressive. That's getting up there. James? Yeah, I'm going to go with Charbonneau as well because in that game he also had 20 rebounds. Yeah. Well, how did we leave that out? Uh, if James I, hadn't just spit that nugget out, it, 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 that literally just changed my vote. Well, great. Now we know. It was. <laughs> now it doesn't matter if Brendan votes. <laughs> Because now I have to go with Charbonneau. Uh, wow, 39 and 20. Yeah, I was going to definitely go with my candidate, uh, Ethan Vanderrost, uh, until I heard the, the other half of that double-double. We're waiting on the dark horse, yeah. I mean, Are you going to make this unanimous? Yeah, we'll, we'll go with uh, Mr. Blake Charbonneau. It uh, sounds like a fine wine, and he uh, must have aged well in that game. This week's Hall of Fame induction... Sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah! Very exciting. Nobody's going to hear all the outtakes on that, but I, for an inexplicable reason, struggled mightily through it many times. That was a good explanation as to why, but... But no one gets to know except us. Yeah. So, uh, that's... That that makes me feel good that I was able to finally get through that one after I had to switch it up and go with a different read last time. The moment everybody's been waiting for, the debate everyone probably, maybe, has had <laughs> at the Christmas table. We are doing this perhaps a week early, but we wanted to get all four of us in on it. And this is my last episode for the year. Last time I'll be in the studio yes. the end of 2019. So. James and Brendan and I will be in next week for episode 62, and then our dear Audible viewers, we will take a two-week break uh, from bringing you this podcast. Yes, as they say. Yes, uh, over Christmas and through the new year, and we will be back, what I believe, Tuesday would be January 8th. I believe if January 8th is indeed a Tuesday, that's when we'll be back with episode 63 and the first podcast of 2019. So we look forward to that. But today, because we're all here, 
is Die Hard a Christmas movie? It's no. very it's very interesting. Yes, it is, Jake. It's interesting that this was brought up because on my Facebook memories today, this meme popped up of, and I just showed it to everybody here in, in the office, but it's a, a cartoon of Bruce Willis' character, John McClane, holding a bear, a teddy bear, and saying they're right in front of uh, Nakatomi Plaza, which is exploding in the background, and says there are two types of people in the world, those who think Die Hard is a Christmas film, and those who are wrong. And, and it is clearly not Jake a is clearly film. wrong. D- 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 All right, hold on, hold on. We got we have has nothing to do with Christmas. Let's have this, some decorum here. Let's let's. This is like Twelve Angry Men. Okay, <laughs> except he, it's four. He, I can get louder than clearly twelve. Out, you're clearly outnumbered here. So convince us. Okay, first of all, there is no, absolutely nothing about that movie has anything to do with Christmas. He's coming into we town. We can not prove you Christmas. wrong there no, immediately. No. Okay. So. He did go to a Christmas party. What I'm saying is that you could Were set you that movie... Were you high when you watched this movie? You could watch... <laughs> you could place that movie on any other day out of the year and it's the exact same movie. Okay? <clears throat> Number one. So it does not... I'm pretty sure he was no. coming home for Christmas. No, yeah, he was, was not coming home for Christmas. Yes. No. He was. No, he, came, he, he was, was coming home to... He's visiting his estranged wife. Yes, his estranged Christmas wife. And taking his daughters out and sign Christmas Eve. But, okay. Coming home for Christmas is not trying to come save your broken marriage and then kill a whole bunch of people. That's not coming home for Christmas, okay? He wasn't even with his he family. No, he was going to gonna have to kill a bunch of people. Two. So that point's irrelevant. Two. So bad job so far. No, two. There is absolutely no message and or lesson learned in that movie that makes it a Christmas movie. I had somebody try to tell me. I'm pretty sure he and his wife rekindled things at there the end. There has to be a lesson? Rekind- yeah, these are Christmas movies. We're, this is not, this is, there's submachine guns and people dying in this movie. This is not a Christmas movie. What are you talking about a Christmas movie? Look at Christmas Story. Look at, look at, Rudolph which is a Red terrible Rainer. movie, by the way. I hate that movie. I hate a Christmas Story. I, but there's, I mean, there's guns in that, though. I mean, a BB gun. It's a present to a child. It's gonna put his what? eye out. So, where's oh, so they give him a bloody bear. This is perfect. This is That's the best the loudest James has ever. ever been on this podcast. This is <laughs> there is in no way, shape, or form Die Hard has anything to actually do with Christmas other than the exact day that they put it on. That's it. Just because it Which, takes place on Christmas does not make it a Christmas movie. How does it not? Because every other. Well, it actually didn't come out on... So is Groundhog's Day not a Groundhog's Day movie if you have it set on some other day? <sighs> oh. There is no other Groundhog Day movie. Groundhog Day is Groundhog Day. There's a billion other Christmas movies. Die Hard is an action movie. Even Bruce Willis himself said this as a quote, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It's yes, a Bruce Willis movie. But as we know, Bruce Willis is currently in asshole jail. So That means nothing. So why do you like the movie so much? Because it's an amazing movie. I'm not saying it's a bad movie, by the way. I, I, I have enjoyed Die Hard a few times. It's just not a freaking Christmas movie. I mean, movie. is Hans Gruber not the Grinch who stole Christmas? And $640 million in bear bonds. Yes. Sitting on a beach, collecting 20%. Seen it a few this times. is what you're worried about on Christmas Eve. Not the love or are the you gonna spirit. Tell me, are you going to tell me the, the Grinch who stole Christmas isn't a Christmas movie? There's a, there's a lesson in that movie. It's about Christmas. There's a lesson in Die Hard, too. Don't fuck with John McClane. Oh, my God. Great message. Wait, and I got another one. I mean, who here hasn't been at Christmas dinner with their family and wanted to tell some annoying relative, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yippee-ki-yak, other buckets. (laughs) But tell me what makes it a Christmas movie other than the fact that he showed up to reconcile his relationship that day. 
They go to a Christmas party. Okay, Boom. that could be now any I, other party. Now I have a gun. Ho, ho, ho. You don't have... Okay, there's three the lines. <laughs> one person on, wears on, a damn on, Santa hat and he's on. dead. He uses <laughs> There's Christmas. one guy wears a Santa hat and he's dead. And there's three lines and a Christmas song at the end of the movie. That's it. Just because the credits have a Christmas song doesn't make it a f- Christmas movie. He uses Christmas tape to attach the gun to his back. <laughs> Uh, there's a Christmas tree in the lobby that, after the explosion of so, the helicopter... So every movie made in December is a Christmas the, tree or a Christmas the, movie the, now? The Christmas tree, it, it falls over, um, and then he says, Jesus fucking Christ. Great scene. Um, so every love movie where, where they're skating around and there's a Christmas tree in the background, now it's a Christmas movie. Yes. And what, you know what? I'm going to say this right now. Every movie ever made in the history of film... Is a Christmas movie, <laughs> and I say that, that might be completely that, that might serious. be more accurately than that, just Die Hard. Is a Christmas every movie, movie every ever made is a Christmas movie, and uh, that's because it's a movie that you can buy on DVD. I also or believe Blu-ray that he, and then give to someone on Christmas. I also <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I also believe he did bring a Christmas gift. For he brought his that daughter. bear. No, the that bear. bear. Yeah. Oh, and it, miraculously, it's fantastic to create. Oh my God! Make it all the way through. No. Anybody, no. Anybody get that? No. What did you just say? No, I'm saying that, and miraculously, that he, he, he made some miraculous gift to give it to his daughter throughout the end of the movie. Like, no. I mean, so, that, so, that, some that's more, the, is some that more symbolism here. What about him going through the elevator shaft like Santa in a chimney? Exactly. I mean, how much more Christmas does it get? How yeah. much more of and a reach bringing, can you find? He's, he's going down a... to the terrorists and their bullets. What? Right in their head. And there's a Christmas party there, too. Okay, a Christmas party. party. They are there for like two and a half minutes before shit hits the fan. This doesn't make this a Christmas movie. I had somebody try to tell me that Elf wasn't a Christmas movie this past year. Well, they're wrong just like you, Jake. If you think Die Hard's a Christmas movie, it's simply because somebody in your family was like, I'm not watching a Christmas story anymore. We're putting on Die Hard. You know what's interesting is I always thought it, I thought it was my dad who first came up with the joke that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I mean, he had mentioned it years and years ago, but it's, it's really taken a lot, uh, taken off, uh, gotten a lot of steam. So, for, for the long, for the longest time, I thought it was my dad. I'm like, oh, my dad is so smart. It is a Christmas movie. What a so if you're telling me, that I'm telling your dad's is, wrong. You, you, John Queely, if you're listening, I'm telling you that do you're not wrong. besmirch my father's good name. I I'm, I just spoke directly to him. I'm hoping he's listening. I know he doesn't care about us as much as you do. So. I don't know. To also, me... Also, there's way more lines than three that mention Christmas. James is Googling the number. I'm talking about this as, like, an overwhelming majority of this movie it's, is nowhere near a Christmas movie. But it's a recurring theme thing that's brought up in the whole movie, throughout the whole movie. It's Christmas. All right, boys, I have to leave. I, I gotta... On that note. Head out and go listen to some teachers. Ho, ho, ho. And some parents. Well, clearly, yeah, we're not going to convince Jake on this one. Uh, but, but please, but he is outvoted. No, but he, I don't he, care what he you three is say. Outvoted. Everybody else needs to chime in. On According this. to the Get this. Around podcast, as established no. in episode sixty-one, no, Die no. Hard is no. a Christmas movie. No, this is why he's the worst. No, no way. I want to hear everybody's interaction. I want people to tell us if they think it's a Christmas movie or not. Yes, please. That's re- like I re- went. It's a re- main re- episode. Re- or- respond with your favorite Die Hard GIF. On Facebook, on Twitter. And win a GIF. hockey puck. Or GIF. And win a hockey puck, win some Jimmy John's. Yeah, GIF, GIF, whatever. Either way you, you say it, 
you can get in on this contest. Favorite diehard GIF or GIF in the Facebook or comments. Or your favorite Christmas GIF that is from a real Christmas movie. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if you if you don't like Die Hard, if Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie to you, please reply with a gift to your favorite Christmas movie. And uh, again, as I said, in the Facebook comments or in the Twitter thread, and uh, you have a chance to win our final Red Wings puck signed by Andreas Athanasiu and or two Jimmy John sandwiches just before the holidays. Uh, the previous puck. We're going to announce that winner, Jessica Hill. We will reach out via social media, try to get in touch with you, as well as Gavin Richmond, the winner of the two Jimmy John sandwiches. Thank you so much for engaging. Uh, without our listeners, we wouldn't have a show. So we appreciate it. We appreciate your support. You can follow us at TCR Esports on Twitter. It's the same at uh, on Facebook.com slash TCR Esports. I'm at BA Sports Writer on Twitter. James is at JamesCook14. Jake is at Jake Atnip, which I really wish you could do Atnip. That would be great. Um, and Brendan at Brendan Queeley. This has been episode 61 of the Get Around Podcast. It's been a blast to be back in the studio. Thanks, and have a good one. <laughs>